0: Look, don't mess it up. You're my kid. I expect perfection out of you.
1: I care about my business more than I care about you not having a job, and I'm sorry, but um, no friend policy. (laughs) What? I know. Thank you, TGS.
2: (laughs) Hi, everybody. My name is Kelly Martin, and you are listening to the third episode of Making It Work, brought to you by FedEx. In this podcast, we cover the rough and the smooth of running your own business. With the help of entrepreneurs who don't pull any punches, we'll find out what it's really like to start from scratch. Each episode of Making It Work covers one topic, anything from how to treat your employees to finding investment. In this episode, we're discussing working with friends and family. Asking the questions is Tom Scallen.
3: Three reasons why hiring friends and family is a bad idea. Never do business with friends or family. 25 reasons why hiring your relatives is an even worse idea than you suspected. 25? Well, you can certainly see where Google stands when it comes to working with those close to you. And so that was my bias coming into these interviews. And to be perfectly honest, all of those 25 pretty good points confirmed all of my assumptions. Do I love my family and friends? Yes. Am I about to open a taco truck with them anytime soon? I don't think so. And that sentiment did come through when I spoke to our entrepreneurs on this topic, but only a little bit. It's a spoiler, but for the most part, it's fine. The ones that work with friends and family, they have their rough patches, but otherwise it's going swimmingly. It's just that those rough patches tend to be, well, really rough. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's speak to someone who knows what they're talking about. Danny is the owner of Cthulhu Prime Meats, a butcher shop based out of Youngstown, Ohio. If anyone knows what it's like to work with friends and family, it's him. After all, he is third generation. Danny's the head honcho now, but I asked him what it was like working for his grandfather from the age of 14.
4: Yeah, and and working with your cousins and your brothers, your father, your uncle, your grandfather. I mean, I started working in the business and I had three bosses. All three of them had different ideas on where the business should go. And it was really difficult to learn what the right way to do something was because they all had their different ideas Uh, definitely an experience that helped shape the way that I managed the family business when I became the owner and the operator because I realized how important it was to be consistent. And that didn't matter if you were my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, my brother. If you worked for me, I wanted to treat you the same way that I worked with any other employee that worked for me. So just by being consistent to each and every one of them, it just allowed us to be able to kind of put the methods in place to help grow the business. That when you were working
3: with your your dad and your and your grandfather, um, did you have sort of great ideas that you really had to hold off until you took the
4: reins? <laughs> my my father and my uncle, God bless them. You know they could have very easily just looked and said, you know, we've owned this business for for years, you know, for decades. And we know the right way to run this business. And instead of just doing that, they understood the position that they were in, that they knew how to do business one way, and the business was rapidly changing and changing much faster than when it switched hands from my grandfather's to theirs. Because of that, they were really in tune of listening to, to what I had to say and to what ideas I had to be able to grow the business. It probably was partly because I was the first person in my family to go to college, but it was also mm, because right. I had to sell them on these ideas. And when it came to the employees that worked for my my dad and my uncle, to also, you know, them, I had to work my butt off. To show them that I not only had great ideas, but I was willing to work hard to implement them. And because of that, I think it was a lot easier than it could have been to be able to get them jumping on board to something new.
3: Okay, so because you were given the opportunity when you were working for them as well to, to sort of implement changes, when you took over, it wasn't like, right, I'm going to change this, 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 and this, because a lot of it had already changed already.
4: Yeah, it was. A, I mean, a little bit of both. I think there was when I was taking over. My father had major knee surgery, and my uncle had major back surgery, and they were they were never the same uh, physically. And so I had this like sort of six to nine month period where I was running the store, and the two owners were you know sort of bedridden. And so because of that, I was forced upon having to make decisions. It was a little bit of understanding the old processes and the old ways that we did things and then try to bring a lot of new stuff there. I quickly learned that you can't implement too many new things at once or it just creates chaos and confusion and people aren't necessarily going to understand your vision. And so with that, I really wanted to implement you know, one or two things at a time and make sure that I saw them from beginning to end before I did something new. Because you could have all the ideas in the world, but if people are on on, on board in your company to try them and to use them, it's not going to work.
3: Danny's under no illusion that he inherited something special from his family. But it's also very clear that it was his college education and determination to follow through on his ideas that made him a success in his family's company. To prove to his father and grandfather that he wasn't that 14-year-old kid anymore, but also to convince the staff working in the shop that he could improve things so they could continue bringing home the bacon. And Danny's not the only one that had to slog it out before joining the family business. David is the owner of Shark Wheel, based out of California. They make wheels for skateboards, shopping carts, and all sorts of other things. He loves working with his two kids, but insisted that they work for other bosses before working for him, and that experience turned them both into the best people for the job.
0: I always knew I had great kids. I had no problem with that. I wanted to hire them on day one, but I also knew that I didn't want entitled children. I didn't want them feeling it was owed to them or it was something that was expected and coming. They literally needed to earn their way in. And, you know, David, who's 19 now, his first jobs were in fast food. And after fast food, he was detailing cars. And after detailing cars, he was working at America's Tire, you know, slinging tires onto cars. He did very, very physical jobs. He's done mental jobs. My daughter, Samantha, she's older. Um, she runs our Amazon. She's just a whip at that stuff. I mean, she's so good on our social media. She's so good at Amazon. She's so good at getting the orders in and done and taken care of, Um She's perfect for the job, and so that's why she got it. But she was doing something similar someplace else and had learned how to, you know, have a boss and things like that. And so I had the need, absolutely had the need. She had the best skill set and – she's my daughter. So I can have a different level of control with her and say certain things to her that I couldn't say to an employee. Okay. I can be, and everybody says you're always harder on your own kids, but it's like, that's true. I mean, I make sure she knows it's like, look, don't mess it up. You're my kid. I expect perfection out of you. Anybody else can screw up because they're human. You're not human. You're my kid. So they get it hard, but I don't hire them unless I absolutely positively have to have them, and they're the right thing for the job. But I do like hiring my family where I can. There is a difference when I used to work with my wife. One of the companies I worked directly with my wife, uh, husband and wife leading the company, didn't like that as much. Um, There needed to be a separation between house and home, I felt, uh, because we were just – it was – too much just a business happening all the time. Our whole life was a business, and I didn't enjoy that. So far as hiring family, distant relatives, ah, go crazy. If they're the right people for the job, go ahead. Firing them, that's when you're going to have, you know, you're not invited to Thanksgiving anymore. You're not invited to Christmas anymore, all that stuff. So I guess you got to think about that. We all know that's the downside to hiring family. But for me, direct my children that was an easy one because I do want them to ascend inside the company. I do want to leave it to them. You know, my, I'm not going to be here forever. I'd like them, if they can find a role to ascend in, do it. But I hire people above them all the time. And they don't care because they know, hey, one day that'll be me. When I'm older and I deserve that job, I'll get it. So I've hired my direct kids because I can fire them and they still show up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But outside of that, there is nobody else that works for me. Um, only because they're not, I'm not exposed to them, they don't want a job or whatever, they're not near me. Um, but even if they were, gosh, I'd probably really shy away from that next level of family because I'd be too afraid of having to fire them. And he's
3: not the only one. While talking with these entrepreneurs, it became clear to me that there's family and there's family. You know, there's the ones you bring up, teach life lessons to, and trust inherently. And the ones you don't see for a decade, turn up out of the blue and hit you up for money. Akilah knows all about that other type of family. She runs Edge Entity, a hair stimulant company based out of Memphis, Tennessee. She hired her sister early on and says she couldn't run the business without her. Since then, she's made it up to COO and earns a six-figure salary. As for hiring some of her extended family, well... Things haven't been so rosy.
1: Honestly, family members feel entitled. You want to give your family members jobs because it's like, okay, well, if you don't have a job, listen, you can do this or you can do that. These people are lazy. They think that you're just supposed to just give them money and they're not supposed to do anything. Like family, aside from my sister, they are lazy. You have to tell them things more than once and they don't take it as, Seriously, like it's a job because it's you. So uh, yeah, and I can't hire friends. I've hired friends. That does not go well. At this point, there is a no friend policy. My friend's like, you know, I need a job and you don't want to hire me. Nope. Sure don't. Don't want to hire you because you're going to come in. You're going to think that we can talk and you're going to think that you don't have to work. Uh -uh, I'm sorry. I I hate it for you. You don't have a job, but no, I care about my business more than I care about you not having a job. And I'm sorry, but um, no friend policy. I don't have any friends working with me. My best friend needed a job and I knew she needed a job. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. You can't work with us because I already know how this is going to go. So we're not going to be friends at the end of this (laughs) because they, you know, they don't want you to tell them what to do. And they're so used to you being your friend to the point where eventually you're going to have to be a boss. And that, and the relationship is not blended for me. It's, I'm not your friend. I'm your boss. And then outside of work, you're going to hate me. That's happened before to the point where you're not even going to want to be my friend because you're going to, I'm not going to talk to you the way I talk to you as a friend. Like it's going to be a lot more stern. You know, I'm going to be demanding things. I'm going to tell you what to do. Friends don't want you telling them what to do. So yeah, mm -mm, no friends.
3: So what's the worst thing that happened when you hired friends in the past?
1: They just felt like uh, one friend, she just, she started telling other friends that I've changed so much. Akilah's not the same. She changed so much. And she's just this. I'm like, yes, I I have. I, I haven't changed. This is who I am as a boss. I'm just not treating you like a friend. And it put a strain on our relationship. And another friend, same thing. Our friendship ended. And because our friendship, we had an issue in our friendship, she was working for me. So because of the issue with our friendship, you can't work with me anymore. We have an issue as a friend. So now you've lost your job too. And it wasn't me. It was it was her. I can't tell you why we weren't. You know, we had an issue. I still can't tell you why, what the issue was. But So now I've lost an employee because of... The issue with our friendship, so I just don't do it anymore.
3: Are you still employ family?
1: Family, yes, they're still here.
3: Would you have fired them if they hadn't been your family?
1: Yes, probably a long time ago. See, this is the thing about hiring family—you trust them. In the beginning, it's like I don't trust anybody. I don't. I'm not big enough to to get resumes and put a job on Indeed because I'm not even together myself as a business owner. I'm not even working out of a store. So you can't, you know, people don't want to hire other people because these people are going to want benefits and they're going to want to pay and they're going to want all kinds of stuff. So you hire family, you hire friends. But then when you grow, you're like, I got to get more serious. I got to get people who are more serious. This is giving me the idea that I, I need to have like a phone conference. I really need to about just you know just doing more or you know you you're going to be reprimanded or you're going to lose your job i mean they get write ups and stuff just like everybody else anyway i'm glad you brought that to my attention
2: <laughs> you're listening to making it work coming up
1: it was a big risk
0: exposing your friendship to the pressures of business wasn't it if the job doesn't get done then we're going to have a major problem <laughs> <laughs> what I- We were always told
3: we need to separate our personal life and our work life. Some of us are better at it than others. But for most of it, it just means leaving the office at a reasonable time, not taking work home, and maybe keeping it just to two beers with colleagues on Friday afternoons. It's not so easy to hit that work-life target when you own your own business. And it reaches a whole new level when you're carpooling with your extended family. For some, hiring family is a choice. Not for Danny. You remember him? He owns The Butcher Shop in Ohio. He had to work alongside his father and grandfather before inheriting the business. I wanted to know if for him, home was home, or he just ended up talking prime rib and beef brisket over breakfast.
4: You know, my grandfather was the best at that. When he was alive, he was a very difficult boss to work for um, because he had a, a pretty strong bark. Um, not necessarily the largest bite, but he was intimidating. He was you know, the most knowledgeable when it came to the business. And to work with him really took a lot of energy to have to come up and match and, and to really perform when you were working for him during that time, you know, you could be upset with my grandfather. You, he could be upset with you because he made a mistake, um, whether it be for all of us grandkids or, you know, even my my father and my uncle and my aunt, you know, had a tough time working for my grandfather. But when we came home, you know, whether we had Sunday, you know, we, we have sauce at my grandma's on Sundays, or, you know, it was a holiday. My grandfather really took off all those preconceived notions from work, all those difficult conversations, all the you know the, the really hard things that we were going through when it came to work. and when it was family time, he wanted us to focus on our family. And so because of that you know having some difficult conversations as being the owner myself, with my brothers, whatever, um, at the end of the day we're family and that's more important than our work relationship. So like my brothers, for example, and I think this is what really hurts generational businesses, your brothers, you have a sense of you lived in the same house together growing up, so you know each other's pros, cons, ticks, things that make each other upset or happy. And so there is a little level of comfortability that you can have with your brothers and sister that you can't have with your cousins. You didn't grow up with them. You might have grown up with them outside of your house, but it's not the same. Um, And the same thing goes to your friends. I think it's really difficult to have your friends and your family work for you because there are things that they know about you that either make you happy or make you upset that your other employees may not have learned yet and that can really harm the relationship as you are trying to you know to grow your business from the happy side you don't want your family or your friends to the other employees you don't want them to feel like they have a leg up because they know the little things that make you happy and from the negative side you don't want them to be able to treat you differently as a manager a boss a founder because they know those little things about you and they can either annoy or tease or, you know, be harmful with and then be able to retain their job when another employee would never be able to say those things out loud. I think Danny's trying to say, pretty diplomatically,
3: that your family's got dirt on you. And just like you fight over the TV remote at home, you can have tiffs at work and they can escalate. It seems to get better when you don't live together. Take David, the guy who makes the wheels. Working with his son and daughter makes his company a real family affair. But rather than playing it down, he embraces it. When I asked him if working with family was a bad idea, he said it was the complete opposite. It's a great opportunity to fulfil his professional and parental obligations at the same time and see as much as his kids as possible.
0: no that's the beauty of it because like i said with when it's too close to home like wife that was the other thing these are my children that have moved out um they do not live with me anymore so when we get to see each other it's you know 100 family time but the other cool part is let's let's not you know forget this i'm spending good time with them at work too it's not all work time we're not always talking about shark wheel at shark wheel There's plenty of time to talk about other stuff that just makes us roar with laughter all day long. We laugh our butts off all day long. We are a funny, funny group. Is it difficult working with family? Not for me. I've always enjoyed it. Everybody knows what the heck they're doing there. You know, like I said, it's not—they its know their role. They come in, they do their role, and they leave. I don't know when they come in, and I don't know when they leave. Of course, I see them if I'm there, but it's not my job to police them. If the job doesn't get done, then we're going to have a major problem. But they know that, and we've never had a major problem because they know not to do that. They show up, and they take care of the orders on time every day. But if they're done with their stuff, they bail. And they go have fun somewhere. I don't care. If you got your job done, go do what you got to do. Go have another side to your life. I don't care. As long as the job gets done 100% every single day.
3: Uh, Which sort of brings me to the
0: question, have you ever had to have any difficult conversations? Again, I've been real lucky. I've never had any real trouble. I've had somebody embezzle from me. And I've had to testify against them and send them to jail for three years. But other than that, that's a difficult conversation, I guess. Well, one, one of your family. <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, that was an employee. Never had family bezel, just employees. <laughs>
3: Glad to hear your family aren't stealing from you, David. In this episode, we've talked a lot about family. But what about when you decide to take the leap with someone you're just as close to? I mean, we all know you can't choose your brothers and sisters. But why would you put your friendship at risk? Diana and Jean can answer that one. They went their separate ways after school, but decided to start the groomsman's suit together in 2016. TGS makes affordable suits and tuxedos for weddings. None of our other entrepreneurs seem to have anything good to say about working with friends. So I was curious to know what Diana and Jean had to say about starting a business with your BFF.
5: It's a dream. It's awesome. Um... (laughs) To be honest, I don't think that uh, you know when I was when I was thinking of this business and creating the Kickstarter, I um, I never dreamed that I would have the the chance to work with somebody not only so smart but but a, a close friend. So when Diana even you know showed interest in this business, I was so excited and relieved. Um, because it, the the business side of things was daunting for me, and you know, to hire somebody with that skill set was just not going to happen. Like, I wasn't going to put out put out a request for somebody. I was just going to try to figure it out. But um, you can't you can't really. I I don't think you can really truly feel comfortable um, in a startup working as many hours as you do if you don't have a very close relationship. Um, It would end up wearing on you. So, it's amazing, really, what we have.
3: It was a big risk exposing your friendship to the pressures of business, wasn't it?
6: For sure. It didn't feel like it at the time. But it definitely, as the company's gotten more serious, you know, at the time when we were starting this, we're like, oh, we're just going to see where this goes, you know, who knows? And like, you know, it was so fun. We could sit and brainstorm and anything was possible and figuring these things like out. It was like dreamland, you know, and now we are living it day to day and making management decisions. And it definitely, there are much harder, more complex things that you, you know, have to. And there's no cover. out now. Like, we're in, in this. We are married. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for better, or for worse, we are so. more connected than we are to our husbands, yeah. so yeah,
3: do you have a fall out?
6: yeah, I mean, no we are we have a I think we have a dream relationship, but I would say every six months, you know, we have a moment where we have to put ourselves back in check, and those are honestly so valuable because we i think the one of the biggest problems we have is like we don't want to upset one another yeah and our we would hate to hurt each other um we are so like maybe overly sensitive to the fact that like we love you e- don't want say the wrong thing don't want to overstep oh you know and it, then maybe things build up a little bit and then we have a we have a moment where it just lets us get everything out on the table and we sort of reset and it's. I always find those valuable. I mean, it's. It's. They are painful, and I know Gene and I both lose sleep over it. You know, and we feel. You know, it's. A, those are tough conversations to have. But it's like any relationship. If you don't have those moments of conflict, then you don't come back even better and on. You know, even more on the same page. You tend to, if you don't have those moments of conflicts, kind of you become ships that just drift yeah, apart. Yeah, it's just like a.
5: Uh, it's just like a dating or marriage r- relationship where. Um you have to work at it and and be respectful. But as long as you have that core thing where you both really admire and love the other person for what they bring and the especially the long history that we have. There's just like nothing I don't I don't think there's anything that we wouldn't um like overcome argument wise.
3: I know I've talked about Diana and Jean's rapport on this show previously. But hearing them finishing each other's sentences and laugh about the good times and the bad just gives a sense that this arrangement works for them. It's nice to see, and it flies in the face of all the conventional wisdom and horror stories about family feuds and friendships beyond repair. In fact, for all of our entrepreneurs, the good always outweighed the bad. But Diana and Jean have a little secret. Since their business took off, they've become more than friends. I'll hand it over to them to wrap up this episode and tell you what went
6: down.
5: We were getting ready to relocate from New York to Chicago. We had a couple thousand suits in a storage locker.
6: We were going to run a 26-foot... Yeah, truck and drive it ourselves.
5: Yeah, we were all ready. We we told our parents, and uh, my mom told my uncle in passing. And you know, our our parents were like, "Oh, cool, okay." Gene and Diana can do anything. They they're not nervous about it. We weren't nervous about it. And then my uncle heard what we were doing, and he immediately said, "No, I'm flying out to New York." And that is crazy. I'll drive that truck. (laughs) And we
6: were like, "Cool, we got help." (laughs) Yeah, because like literally, we were gonna pack. My apartment, and then the truck was going to go to our warehouse, and it was we were going to throw all the suits in there, and then I was just going to drive it. And uh, we envisioned this truck as a U-Haul, a yes. very manageable, large U-Haul, and it was not. And it was a f- beast, when a commercial size. It was cute. Truck. You can't drive <laughs> it under certain bridges. I couldn't touch the pedals. So. Yes, Jean's feet literally <laughs> did not touch the pedals. So this, that would have been really Don, amazing. Uncle Don came to, to the rescue. rescue, and and he's done that in, in several other occasions throughout the course of the business. When we moved, once we got settled here in Chicago, and then we decided we needed to take all of our inventory to a fulfillment center because we couldn't fulfill orders ourselves anymore like he again drove Show the truck yeah um now funny enough fun <laughs> fact is that my mom and Jean's uncle don have started dating <laughs> what <laughs> i know thank you tgs <laughs> tgs is bringing we also together. have a matchmaking business on the side yeah yep yeah.
3: so you two are both friends and family
6: yeah i know yeah, now and i are like we're gonna we're
5: be like what does this make us yeah um second cousins (laughs) I don't know
2: coming up next time I could have avoided getting ripped off
0: by doing proper due diligence I think and I was the guy who kept saying no 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 if I'm taking their money they're going to get a great product
1: if you're at home or if you're abroad there is illegal labor everywhere that you go
2: That's it for this episode of Making It Work. We would love to know what you think, so remember to rate this podcast. If you don't want to miss the next one, be sure to subscribe. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Danny Catulo, David Patrick, Akila Augusta, Diana Gans, and Jean Foley for their advice. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Margrie, written by Tom Scallon, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Also thanks to Wayne Parker Kent. Music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created the song with actual sounds from the FedEx Superhub in Memphis, Tennessee. The show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin.